Power Project crew, welcome to today's show. This episode is recorded on June 11th, and it is not a repeat of a previous episode, although we did just have him on recently, uh, just a matter of weeks ago. But today we are on with Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis is the gentleman that has converted over 200 Klansmen to turn in their robes and turn a new leaf, uh, per se. Uh, but today we actually brought him back because we wanted to uh, get his thoughts on the current events today, um, what he calls the George Floyd lynching. Uh, he explained to us what lynching actually meant and why he believes that George Floyd was not killed. He was not murdered. He was lynched by that police officer. Um, so we really got uh, just, we, we talked about that. We talked about just a whole gamut of things um, regarding to uh, race, uh, racist issues or racial issues. And um, we really think you guys are going to like this episode. So I'm going to try to get out of your guys' way as soon as possible. But really, really quick, um, if you guys missed the call-in show the other day, um, we had an absolute blast. We had our boy Jesse Burdick on um, um, and we, we took calls. We took your calls. It was a it was a it was a lot of fun. It was a new experience. It was a new feature that we hope to do um, a lot more often. But if you guys did miss out on that one, uh, make sure you text anything. You can text uh, like Jesse Burdick says. You can text the word farts to two zero six seven three seven seven three six nine. And uh, every time we go live and we're accepting calls, you guys will get a text notification right on your phone to let you know, hey, we're live, and there'll be a link in there, and you guys will actually get to uh, join or actually you'll get to listen to the conversation and then uh, select whether or not you would like to uh, be on hold, uh, put on hold so that way you guys can talk to us on air. And then lastly, markbell.com, a free 30-day trial is available for everybody listening right now from now all the way to the end of June. Um, you guys can gain access to the entire website that includes the paid version and the paid premium version where they have a virtual scoreboard so you can physically or digitally put points on the scoreboard every single time you do a workout to help keep you on track, help keep you motivated and just getting more and more betterist. And you can also train with team super training. So if you are not anywhere near West Sacramento, we can bring the gym to you by uh, showing you guys the exact program that everybody at the gym is doing. Again, that's at markbell.com. Please take advantage of that and please do so before the end of June, because after that, the free 30 day trial will be over. That's it for me. So ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this episode with the one and only daryl davis how you guys doing today be good yeah they're doing awesome got in a uh 10 minute walk turned into 15 minutes and i uh, got some uh some coffee this morning you're just overachieving all over the place know. you know what's funny is i was planning on coming in a little bit early to get in a, a good walk you know do some research some more research on our guest and i i actually woke up with a pretty bad case of vertigo so oh, no. it was weird. Yeah. God. I got up and I fell right back over. It's happened before, so I, I can deal with it, but mm -hmm. it's, it sucks. <laughs> I don't like it. So I took it a little bit slower today. So maybe tomorrow I'll get Any back Any idea on it. what triggers that? No idea. When I went to the doctor, when I was like the first time I got it, when I they was- They just told you that you're weird? When I was like probably like 14 or 15, <laughs> there's, ah, you just got a couple of screws loose. And I'm like, isn't that really bad? bad <laughs> but, can we tighten these things up yeah for reals i'm like can we yeah get a get a drill in there and start screwing these screws back in you know my grandma had vertigo has vertigo and they're apparently crystals in the ear or something mm. so like what they did and it didn't totally like cure it but it helped it. it's like they it, like shifted her one way and then shifted her to the other and they were they were trying to like get everything to kind of stabilize in balance her head. yeah no yeah. not none of that for me um oh, okay you know because what they tell what they also tell you to do is like oh get on the like the edge of your bed and then just let your head fall back like mm. off of the thing and i'm like 
do you want me to get so dizzy that I throw up everywhere? <laughs> like, no thanks. So I didn't, yeah. But anyways, enough about me. <laughs> I don't think I ever experienced anything like that before. I know I've gotten like dizzy. hit really hard before and, and had, you know, and kind of saw stars and got a little, got a little woozy, but mm-hmm. yeah, I never, uh, I mean, I guess maybe sometimes working out, you go do a heavy set and then you get done with the set and you kind of feel like, whoa, I felt that before. But I think that was more like just uh, electrolytes, you know, not having enough, you know, salt and stuff yeah. like that. So the best way I can equate it to that makes sense to a lot of people. Have you guys ever played the labyrinth game? It's like a marble and you have to balance the, the platform to get like to not fall in the holes mm. basically like it's like that but that's the ground and somebody's like hey check this out and they at least like turn both knobs and they just throw the like it's just weird like uh, inception you know like when they're fighting and they're like yeah going upside down and it's stuff. like when you drank way too much and you're like i could totally make it across the room just fine <laughs> yes. and no one's gonna notice how hammered i am yeah and you go to get up and like the whole room's kind of that's exactly <laughs> what it's like yeah that makes sense yeah oh man cool you guys have any good steak lately Hell yeah, all the time. <laughs> I cooked up uh, two ribeyes last night, some Piedmontese ribeyes. Oh my gosh! And I've been I've been chopping them up, man. Mm-hmm. I've been going with the uh, the chop chop. I cooked up uh, two of them. I ate about half of that, and then maybe like an hour and a half went by and ate the other half. <laughs> yeah, that's two two nights ago. Only had one last night, but it's always nice when you can eat two steaks in a night. It always feels so good. There's something different about it. Yeah. I know. Um, I, I had a couple of the uh, the, the one pound ground beef uh, packets, and like I, they came free back in the day when they were shipping those out for free, like for every order. So if they do do that again, please take advantage. But like I took, I don't want to say I took it for granted, but I underestimated that their ground beef also has like a different taste to it. Like mm-hmm. it, it tastes really good. So I've been back on like Monster Mash this week, and it's it's a freaking party every single time that I get to. Uh, indulge in piedmontese ground beef don't sleep on those sliders either those sliders are good i uh we ordered some thai food a couple days ago and uh the doordash people they only sent like half the order and so i just said everybody relax (laughs) everybody calm down i'm gonna cook up some sliders and so i cooked up some sliders and save the day but you know there's a lot of uh people are going to be outdoors a lot coming up and people are going to be barbecuing and stuff and so mm. you know why not get yourself some piedmontese burgers and hot dogs those freaking hot dogs are legit yeah for more information please head over to piedmontese.com that's p-i-e-d-m-o-n-t-e-s-e.com at checkout enter promo code power project for 25 percent off your order and if your order is 99 dollars or more you get free two-day shipping Excited for today's podcast, fellas. Mm-hmm. Let me get this going. Indeed. We got our boy uh, Daryl Davis on again today. Should be pretty cool. We just talked to him not too long ago, but you know, there's been some recent happenings. So I'd like to uh, talk to him and get some of his vantage point and see uh, what he thinks. Because I think that this is a guy that has been thinking about this and studying uh, racism for since he was a kid, since he, was, since he learned about it. Since he first learned about it, which is kind of cool. Since he first learned about it, he was like, huh, this is a a weird topic that somebody should (laughs) continually investigate. And obviously, there's a lot of people that that have been looking into it for many years. But it's great to have somebody like that that we can can call up and have a good conversation with. Yeah, I think he's one of the most rational people to talk about in terms of the situation, too, because this is the first time that um, 
like both or all groups that are having to deal with this are having to literally converse with each other. Um, and then the, you, you see a lot of, I guess, uh, you can't necessarily say it's a wrong way to talk about this, but you see a lot of ways that people are going about this and you're just like, that could be done a little bit better. You know? Yeah. Well, look at some of the fallout that, that people are having with, uh, you know, making comments that are against like this change against this movement towards perhaps, um, I don't want to say like getting rid of racism. Cause I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I guess, uh, having better common ground maybe, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, you know, getting to a better situation where we have equal opportunities, you know, equal, equal rights in that fashion. And uh, there's some people that, you know, on social media have made statements and it's like the, the country and actually in other parts of the world as well, they're not tolerating that shit anymore. Whereas mm-hmm. some people might be like, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. people aren't thinking that way anymore. They're, they're, they're get they're cutting their ties and we're seeing it left and right. Just, uh, yesterday, the Mr. Pickles and Davis, um, they, they, they decided to shut down. I think the owner said something about, he said, uh, black lives matter matters is becoming, uh, like the KKK and you know, like who knows why the guy made the statement. Maybe the guy felt he had a i don't know maybe he felt maybe he felt that made sense i'm sure he didn't say it for no reason mm. you know uh but whatever the reason is obviously people aren't going to agree with stuff like that especially at the moment you know um and it just appears to me that black lives matters uh as as a as an establishment it's just trying to draw attention to the fact that there's been a history of blacks being mistreated over and over and over again. And so it's just, it, it's a weird time because you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that's going on, mm-hmm. but I would say just until you get more information, there's no reason to be anti towards certain things. Yeah. There he is. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Daryl. Yeah. How are you all doing? Hey, it's uh, great to have you back on the show again. And I appreciate at the end of the last show, you said, hey, we're all friends now. So if you want to call right. me back up and have another conversation. So here we are. We're at it again. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, a lot has happened since last time we had a conversation, which wasn't even that long ago. You know, it was just uh, Indeed. Indeed. Two, two weeks ago or so. Do you feel like um, some of what's happening and some of what's going on is, um, even though there's been a lot of things that have happened that are unfortunate, do you feel like this is, uh, it's hard to say the word good, but do you feel that this will maybe be to uh, humanity's benefit in the long run? Yes, I do. And and I'll go ahead and say it's good. Um, You know, sure, there are some things that that could be, that could have gone better. But uh, yes, in the long run, it's good. I, I feel that for the first time, we are really beginning to turn a page. I mean, we're not quite at the end of the book yet, but at least the page is turning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we've always had had white people involved with our civil rights um, things since Rosa Parks. And of course, on through, um, this, you know, the movement in the 60s with uh, Martin Luther King. But for the first time, we are seeing white people en masse, a whole lot of them recognizing, you know, especially young people and even some old people um, recognizing what's going on. And they're saying, saying, hey, enough is enough. 
you know, uh, they, they, they get the, uh, the empathy for it. And so that's, uh, I think, a big contributing factor to what's going on. And, uh, and people are finally starting to listen because now we have a collective voice of many different races. When I, I don't like to use the word races because there's only one race, but you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, ethnicities and people like that. Um, where be, before, when it was predominantly black, people's ears were like this. And now they're pulling the earplugs out and things are beginning to happen a lot faster. And as always, when you, when you have these kinds of things, it causes a uh, chain reaction and other things began to, to fall into place. Like, for example, when Martin Luther King orchestrated the, uh, the bus boycott with uh, Rosa Parks in 1955, you know, that was targeting the Montgomery bus lines in Montgomery, Alabama. It took a year. It took a year for them to finally come around because their buses were riding around empty because mostly black people rode the bus. Mm. White people had cars. And so their buses are riding around empty and they're losing money, uh, putting gas mm. in the bus, no passengers, et cetera. So they finally decided, okay, you know, we're going to change our policy. And when they did, guess what? It began changing all over Alabama and all the other Southern states changed their bus policies because they figured, you know what? Uh, Martin Luther King will probably come here next. And, and other things begin to fall into place, not just the bus, but other things. So what we're seeing is not just um, some changes with, uh, with how they address uh, police things, like usually it, it takes months for a police officer to be arrested or fired, you know, you know if, if, if he is, because it, it rarely happens. But if it is, it takes quite a while, and boom, 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 it happened pretty quick. Uh, so we're seeing that. Now we're seeing the Confederate stuff come down, et cetera, et cetera. So these are residual effects. And one of the things, you know, apart from, from the white people uh, joining in to the march is the, the coronavirus. Uh, that has kept a lot of people home. Mm. You know, they can't go to work. Their businesses are shut down. Uh, so they're home doing nothing. So they come out uh, to the streets and march. That's why we're seeing not me. You, know, you know, it'd be nice if it was on a regular basis with no lockdown. But if we had no lockdown, you would not have. I don't believe you would have the record number of people because mm. they would be at their jobs. Um, but now, you know, that they're on, you know, you know, uh, lockdown or whatever, they're, they're coming out, um, which is great. Uh, of course, it is a health risk, but uh, they, they are passionate enough about something that has gone on way too long for 400 years. You know, that they're willing to risk their, their health along with us. Viruses come and go. Every year we get a virus whether it's the Hong Kong flu, the Asiatic flu, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And it, it, eventually it goes away and then it comes back again the next year. Racism has never gone away. And it's never been addressed in this record number. Mm. So, this, you know, this is a good thing. And I think all the things fell into place that allowed this to happen. You mentioned uh, turning the page. How do we, you know, kind of turn the page and start to get to the next uh, chapter? What are some things that maybe uh, are not being talked about yet that you think might be important? Well, of course, uh, I mean, the police is just one small component of it. And, of course, you know, people say, well, you know, the police kill white people, too. Yes, they do. You know, and also in, in, in high numbers, too. But so there but. Is there a racial component 
to the white killings. You know, there might be like a power component, like I'm tough and you're not, and you do what I say or I'm going to you know, blow you away. You know, there's always that component you have to deal with too. But, uh, but black people have the power component and the racial component, which is what a lot of people don't see unless they experience it. So, yes, police reform has to happen. A lot of things have to happen. Um, I, I'm really, really glad that NASCAR took that step of, uh, of removing that flag. You know, that, that is big. And as does, a result, what does that flag uh, just to inform? Uh, what does that flag represent, in your opinion, the Confederate flag? What it represents to me is the um, promotion uh, of slavery. You know, the Civil War was fought over slavery. Now, I realize that a lot of people are ignorant about their history and, and they want to say it represents heritage. There are some people who know it represents hate and say it represents heritage. And then there are those who really believe it represents heritage and not hate. Um, those are the ones who really need to study history. There, there are a lot of things, a lot of things that the South has to be proud of. Slavery is not one of them. And the Civil War was fought over slavery. All this uh, business about sovereignty of the states and all that. Yeah, sovereignty of the states so, so, that, so they could uh, maintain their slaves. You know, that's like saying uh, some, you know, pe- uh, people took a, to take drugs and, and, uh, and it causes their heart to, to speed up mm-hmm. and have arrhythmia and then they die. So medically speaking, the, per- the person died of heart arrhythmia you know, a heart attack or whatever. Yeah, where that heart attack was brought on by the drugs. So, that, you know, let, let's get to the source of, of why the heart sped up. So the Civil War, you know, you, you can use whatever excuse you want to use, sovereignty of the states, this, that, and the other. Um, but at the bottom line, slavery was at the core because people did not want to give up that free labor. They're making tons of money uh, off somebody else picking cotton, picking tobacco, doing this and doing that, and not paying them. So, you know, that's, that's, that's where their money, when you hear the term, oh, he, he comes from old money, she comes from old money, that's what they're talking about. The money that, that was generated off the backs of slaves, that's old money from way back, you know, tobacco people, cotton people from the South. You know, new money is like Silicon Valley. All right, so nobody wants to give up that, uh, that free labor, and, uh, and that's why they fought. Because, you know, w- when you have money, you don't want to give it up. And that's a lot, you know, why, why people are, 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 um, are concerned about the election. Will they be able to keep their money? You know, because this guy has money, he represents money, and looks out for the rich, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's very important. Whether you like him or not, uh, you want your money. Do you think uh, do you think Abraham Lincoln uh, wanted to abolish slavery uh, because he wanted to be nice to black people? Or do you think uh, there's some underlying things that, you know, because I think that like in in this decision that people are going to make coming up and in voting, you know, I think they're they're trying to think of like, you know, who who's outwardly racist that I can make sure that I don't, you know, vote vote for. And I think in the case of Abraham Lincoln, he's always credited as. you know, being this this great historical figure who right. did, did this thing to abolish slavery, but and I'm not going to say that he's he wasn't a great person or he wasn't a great president, but uh, just in knowing something about politics, usually there's a political reason on why people do stuff rather than just uh, for humanity. So, what are your kind of thoughts on that? 
Well, of course, I mean, I, you know, I don't know Abraham Lincoln, but I know about him. And the things that, uh, you know, I've studied about him, uh, yes, he did abolish slavery. He did free the slaves. But I think it was, well, I, I, I lean towards thinking it was he wanted them to go back to where they came from. Hmm. Okay. You know, he, he, he realized, you know, this is wrong. You know, these are people, but, you know, they, you know, and, and to own them and to sell them and to torture them and beat them, hmm. et cetera, is wrong. You know, we need to stop that. But of course, society is never going to accept them after that. You know, we're going to help them go back, uh, you know, like, like Marcus Garvey kind of thing. Um, you know, if those were his feelings of the day, you know, that's fine. But guess what? We're here now and, and, and we're not going back. You know, no more, no more so than any white person is going back to Europe. You know, we are Americans. This is our country and we help build it. So, you know, that's, that's the way it is. Let's, you know, let's learn how to get along. Um, one of the things that I think uh, has to happen is we, we are perpetuating a lot of this police violence, whether it's on white people or black people, by not having a national registry for police officers who've gotten into trouble uh, for misconduct, especially egregious misconduct, like what we saw the other day and what what black people have been seeing for the last hundred years or so, uh, and what we've been complaining about. Because what happens is, in the rare instances where they get fired uh, or get convicted and terminated from their department, they just move on to another department and get get rehired somewhere else. It's just like, you know, these uh, Catholic priests who, who abuse little boys, yep. all they do is just shift them around, you know, rather than it, they protect them and shift them around to some other uh, parish congregation where the whole sexual abuse thing starts all over again. You know, whereby uh, if you if you are, are a sex abuser or something like that, you know, pedophile, you go on a national registry. So, you know, if you're in New York and you get convicted and you go out to California to get a job, <laughs> they see you on this national registry. Uh-uh. You know, we're not, you know, we're not hiring you to, to work at, at some little, uh, you know, a youth camp or something like that. So we need the same kind of thing uh, for police. So we need an amber, they go to apply for an, a job at follow. An amber alert for racist yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, there's one in your neighborhood. It's easy to do. Uh, flex, you know, alert. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm curious about this, too. Um, the registry thing is, is amazing, but what I'm seeing a lot right now. And, and a friend of mine posted about this. So um, when we see a lot of people like conversing about what's going on right now, whether it's black people talking to white people or, or et cetera, there seems to be a lot of individuals that instead of uh, trying to actually converse, they're, they're more so trying to get revenge. Um, like by I've seen people try to publicly make individuals apologize for their reg for their racism on public forums, calling them out. And I've seen that go on a lot. Then you also see individuals like you see videos of people trying to make officers kneel. And sometimes it's, it's actually something that people are are trying to do, but there's other times you see it and they're just literally saying, kneel to me, kneel to me. And it's, it's like, how is this productive? It doesn't seem that it's not. So, um, how can you help us like, uh, get better at trying to go towards the solution without, I guess, shaming people. <laughs> no, I, I think people should be shamed okay. if they do something that is egregious and, and just out, outwardly 
racist. Yeah. Um, but trying to hold somebody accountable for something that somebody else did, um, the apology is symbolic. And it still needs to be made. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example of something. Uh, I gave a uh, lecture at a university out in the Midwest uh, some, you know, just a few years back. And we were talking about slavery and things like that. And the fact that the United States has never, never apologized for slavery. We have apologized to Native Americans. We have apologized to, uh, to the Japanese and their descendants, uh, Japanese Americans, that is, who we put in the internment camps. But we've never apologized for slavery. And if you are uh, one of those uh, internment people, you're still alive, or your descendants, you're entitled to a little bit of government money. Same thing with Native Americans. If you have, I think, one-eighth Native American in you, you can get some government money for what happened to you. There's nothing like that for people like you and I. Now, I'm not saying we need money, but at the very least, we need an apology. Um, And then, so anyway, we're talking about this. And this this, uh, young young girl, I think she was like a sophomore there in in the college. She wasn't racist at all, but she didn't get it. She said, you know, I don't understand, white girl, uh, I don't understand why I should apologize when I didn't own any slaves. You know, I, I can't help what my great-grandfather did or whatever. He's long gone. I think slavery is wrong, but why should I apologize for it? I said, it is symbolic. I said, no one is accusing you of owning the slaves, all right, or doing anything like that. Of course, you know, you wouldn't do that. I said, but the apology is symbolic. It never came. I said, for example, let's see, it, it was in November when I was speaking there, and Thanksgiving was coming up. And I said, listen, I said, let's, let's say that I was a student here, and, um, and you knew I lived on the East Coast. And you say to me, hey, you know, Daryl, are, you know, are you going home for Thanksgiving you know, to be with your family or whatever? And I say, no, I don't have the money. I think I'm going to save up, and I'll go home for, you know, on Christmas break. And then, and, then, and then you say to me, well, you know, um, I live here. You know, my, my grandparents they told me, you know, I, I could bring home, you know, some students some of my classmates, you know, who, who didn't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving. Would you like to come to my grandparents for Thanksgiving dinner? I say, sure. Okay, so she picks me up from my dormitory, brings me over to her house along with some other kids. And um, while there, one of her grandparents makes a, a racist remark. He's off the cuff or whatever uh, because, you know, he's never had a black person in his house before. And um, on the way back to the dormitory, when she's because she's driving me back, she says, I say, you know, you say to me, hey, I'm sorry about, about what, you know, what my grandfather said. You know, he, he, he had no right to say that, blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, would you do that? She goes, of course I would. I said, well, you know what? You just apologized for one of your ancestors that you had nothing to do with what they remarked. Your apology does not change what he did, but it's your acknowledgement that it was somebody related to you. Mm. And it's symbolic. If you had not apologized to me, we probably wouldn't be friends anymore on campus. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the fact that you not, it doesn't change what he did or how he feels, but the fact that you acknowledge it, there are too many bystanders in, in our country who see what's going on. They know it's wrong and, 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 and they feel bad about it, but they don't want a voice. You know, they don't want to put out their voice and that, you know, I think Martin Luther King said it, he who walks in silence, um, hangs the innocent and lets the guilty go free. Mm. So 
you know, that's why an apology is needed. But trying to force one out of somebody, uh, I think, is counterproductive. Gotcha. It has to come from within. So, so, so to answer your question, you know, how do you how do you do this? You you have you have civil dialogue, civil discourse, and you lead by example and show people things, educate them, expose it to them, so that they come to the conclusion. Whoa, you know, I never knew this. A lot of white people, even white people in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, didn't even know about the Tulsa race riots because it's not in the history books there. It's been swept under the carpet, yeah. you know? So when they start seeing it, it's like, whoa, whoa. Now I understand why you all are so pissed off. You know, it's like these people who saw the, uh, the George Floyd murder. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've been seeing that for 100 years before video cameras ever existed. And now they're seeing they're like, I don't believe this. And, and first, they, they think it's happening in some anomaly, in some bubble. We say, no, no, no. This is not about George Floyd. There have been 100 years of George Floyds. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. I get it. And then they lend their voice. So it has to come from within them. You can't force it out of them. It's, you know, it's, it's like you can, you can legislate somebody's behavior, um, and, and you, well, you can compel their, their behavior through legislation. Because, you know, if they don't do this, they'll be arrested. But, but you cannot compel how they feel. So that's why you have to lead by example. And it takes patience. Because, you know, if they're, if, they're, if they're not living that life, then they don't, they don't get it. They don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, one's perspective is one's reality. You know, what you brought up there was really interesting because um, there's a discussion that I had this weekend with a few people and um, uh, a white guy was, it was a very open discussion. And this white guy said, you know, uh, right now, obviously things are really, really weird. And uh, uh, sometimes I find it hard because I've, I've asked, I've asked black people before, what can I do, et cetera, et cetera. And some people, you know, they tell me, you know, go do your research on, you know, this isn't, this isn't my job to tell you, but we, 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 some of us kind of agreed, like sometimes it's not like our responsibility to educate you. But at the same time, if there's a person that really wants to know right there and they're open, it's necessary to help them out because they can go help their family and then their family, their kids, they can go spread that out. But if you're closed off to, and not patient enough, like you said, cause it takes massive amounts of patience, that person may just quit on themselves and say, well, it's not my responsibility. Um, so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that, because you, you're seeing that narrative a lot now. A lot of black people are having white people and other individuals reach out and say, hey, I didn't know that you guys went through this. I didn't know that there was this. What can I do on my side to, to help remedy that's some the of the situation? To, to, to exploit that, to, 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 bring, to bring that in and say, hey, let's have a conversation. Thank you for asking. You know, thank you for asking. In other words, the earplugs are out, you know. And, and that's, that's an opportunity. Listen, Jason, regardless of the circumstance, whether you're talking to a Klansman or just a, or just a regular, you know, third grade dropout, doesn't matter. All right. A missed opportunity for dialogue is a missed opportunity for conflict resolution. Whether, whether you're providing the, the, uh, the education to that person or whether he's getting it out of Encyclopedia Britannica or the Internet or Google or going taking a course at the local community college you know you have lived it you have lived it and uh so so there is a first-hand opportunity 
to tell somebody what you have been through, what you have personally experienced. Let me let me give you an example of something. Um, in eighth grade, uh, my science class, I was going to do an, exper- an experiment. And I had to, my experiment consisted of using a piece of uh, dry ice. And so uh, I was told that I could, I could get this uh, dry ice, this uh, one delicatessen a few miles from my house where I lived in, um, had dry ice. So I called them. They said, yeah, they had it. And so I got my father to drive me down there. I'm in eighth grade, 14 years old, so I'm not driving. And uh, he gives me like a $20 bill, not knowing how much you know, it's going to cost. He sits out in the car. I go in. And um, I, I, I asked the guy for the dry eyes. He brings this big chunk out. I only want about that much. And so he says, how much you want? I showed him. So he, he like, you know, chopped it and uh, wrapped it up in some brown uh, paper. Said it'll be $5. So I give him the 20. He gives him back $15. So now I got all this extra money that my dad gave me. And I, I'm looking inside this glass counter, you know, and I want to eat. And so I see ham. I see cheese. I see all kinds of stuff. And so I asked for a ham and cheese sandwich. He goes, can't do that. This is a kosher place. And now I heard the word kosher before, but to me, we kids, how we use the word kosher, it meant, you know, everything was okay. It's kosher, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's cool. It's kosher. Yeah. We, we had no idea what the true definition was. At least I didn't, because you know, I wasn't Jewish. And so, um, I'm thinking, okay, well, so it's cool. So why can't I have one? And um, I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to rationalize why he wouldn't do it. And then I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe these, this big piece of ham and all this cheese, these are models for what is available, but, he, but he's all out of stock in the back. So um, I saw some other meat and some cheese and stuff. And I said, well, how about a salami and cheese? No, this is a culture place. You know, and I, and I said, so what? You know, how can I have the sandwich? He goes, get the hell out of here. And he kicked me out of the store, out of, out of the delicatessen. Now, that was a, a missed opportunity to educate me. Mm. All right? Because I was ignorant. I had no clue. Obviously, he knew I wasn't Jewish. I mean, yes, there are black Jews. But obviously, if I was Jewish, I would know what kosher meant. So that right there told him I wasn't Jewish, let alone the color of my skin. Now, I don't think he was racist. I just think that he was, you know, all pissed off because I didn't know what, what something meant. I hadn't done my research, so to speak, and it wasn't his job to teach me. So if, if I, I – that could have gone two ways. You know, fortunately for me, I later found out what kosher meant, and I would ask my, my friends – and they would tell me, most of them didn't know why. They, they knew what it meant. You don't mix the dairy with the meat. And, and I would say, but why? Well, that's just the way it is. Yeah, 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 but, but why? Why? There has to be a reason behind it. Well, I don't know. My, my mother did it. My, my grandmother did it just the way it is. Yeah, but what's the root of it? You know? So anyway, or I could have been mad at all Jewish people and figured that they all are like that. Mm. You know, because this guy behaved that way. And I was young. You know, I was 14 years old. I'm impressionable. I didn't have that much contact with Jewish people, and that's my experience. So now I'm going to have a chip on my shoulder about Jewish people. Fortunately, I didn't go that way. But that could have happened like that. And so, yes, 
that is an opportunity for us as black people, for him as a Jewish person. You know, when you see somebody who is ignorant to something, and I don't use the word ignorant in a derogatory sense, I use it as, as, as an uneducated, unaware, unexposed. Yes, we have an opportunity to, to make things right. And, and the, the saying, I'm not my brother's keeper, yes, we are. We all are in this country together. So all of you guys are my brothers, and I'm your keeper. And if I see something you know, wrong, and I have, a, I have an answer, I'm going to provide it to you. You see, you see me going down the wrong path, pull me up. Yeah, opportunities for education, I think, are super important. I had some friends that said that their kids were scared because they saw the riots on TV. You know, they saw, you know, buildings burning and uh, police officers, you know, hitting people with batons and so on. And I said, you know, this is a great learning opportunity for you to talk to your children and say, well, the fear that you have, that uneasy feeling that you have in your heart and in your stomach is the same feeling that black people feel when they're seeing cops do this on TV routinely. So I, I I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of times people get frustrated sometimes with children uh, because they don't know something or they just assume that they're going to be able to, you know, pick up on something. But it's a great opportunity just to deliver a message to them right then and there. Exactly. 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 You know, and we are responsible for educating one another. You know, I, th- I, may, I may have told you on the last time we were together, you know, that I, I'll just say it again real quick that, um, I give 60 to 80 lectures a year or so, a lot of them at colleges and universities, and two or three out of every 10 lectures I give, you know, I'll do a Q&A at the end or whatever, and even after it's over, students will still come up to the podium to ask me one last question, or they want to touch one of my clan robes or whatever. Um, and two or three out of 10 times, there'll be one student off in the distance, and I've come to learn what's going on. He or she is waiting for the crowd to go away. And when they when they go away, this person will walk over and they'll him and they'll haul and they'll say, Oh, you know, I enjoyed your lecture, Mr. Davis. And then they'll like look around, make sure nobody's, you know, within earshot. And then they say, you know, um, I was raised that way. My my mother is in the clan, or my father's a neo Nazi, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm here, you know, at this college. And um you know, my my my, bo- my my boyfriend is black or my girlfriend is Jewish or, you know, I'm dating this Muslim girl. Or I'm dating this guy from Pakistan or whatever, you know, and I can't bring them home. My parents will kill me or they'll disown me. And I can't tell my friend because they'll drop me. So they got this burning secret on their chest that's causing an ulcer and they have to get it off. So they, 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 re- they release it through me because I'm the perfect person for them to speak with. And, you know, because they don't know how to handle it when, when, you know, because here's what happens in their neighborhood. It's homogenized. Everybody there in that neighborhood goes to the same school. They cheer the same football team. They read the same books. They swim in the same community swimming pool, do the grocery shopping of the same, you know, grocery store, et cetera. They're all the same. And now you come to college to get an education because your parents want you to get an education the high school doesn't come with you. And now you, you're around people from all over the country and all over the world. And you find out that Jewish people don't have horns and black people don't have tails, you know, and Muslim people are not all terrorists. You know, and your eyes are like opening. And you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, how do you tell your parents they were wrong? You know, your, your parents want you to come here and get an education 
but they didn't want you to get that education. Mm-hmm. And they damn sure didn't want you bringing that person home. You know what I mean? So what do you do? And, 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 and you're changed forever. Your perspectives are changed forever because of that exposure. And, and you can't go back home with all these people who, who have Islamophobia or homophobia or they're racist or they're anti-Semitic, all your friends from high school or whatever, because you are a changed person. And, and how, do you, how do you navigate that? And, and it's, it's a good thing, but it also presents a problem. I think uh, in some households, it will be uh, up to the younger generation that's in the household to actually dispel the myths surrounding racism. How do you think uh, a child could go about doing that? A young, not maybe even a child, but just a young person can go about doing that. Someone that's, you know, between the ages of, uh, you know, 15 and 30 or so. And, and they're, you know, they're at a barbecue with the family and they hear something that's said that's that's racist and they can how do you think they should uh you know help dispel some of these myths obviously if you just said hey what you're saying is wrong or wow that's really irrational that you think that way what do you think would be a good way to um to to open up a conversation and maybe open up their ears a little bit i think that uh that a child should ask their parents why they didn't they didn't stand up and speak out against that they know it was wrong. Maybe this was an adult. If it was a kid saying it, of course, the kid, you know, can go ahead and speak to their kid. But if it's an adult speaking, you know, saying it, you know, it might appear to be disrespectful. But why didn't any of the other adults or, or, or you, mom and dad, why, why did you all say something? You know, it was wrong. And then and then let the adults have that conversation with the child. And either they'll defend what that person said or they'll say, yeah, I know it was wrong, but. Well, there is no but. So that now they can have that conversation. And that child can see that oftentimes there is a lot of hypocrisy. And because, you know, we, we all know people who have, you know, black or white or whatever, who, who have some degree of, of some phobia in their family, whether it's where there's fear of gay people or Jewish people or whatever people, um, you know, and, and, and they say, you know, yeah, I love my uncle, but... You know, he, he was he was the most racist person, you know, you know or that kind of stuff. We all know those people. And I tell you, <laughs> schools, schools dance around these issues. And one of the biggest culprits are our religious institutions. And I'm going to come, you know, I'm going to come down on them. I mean, I was raised in the church and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I'm a Christian. But. Every, or pretty much every uh, religion has some form of Sunday school for, for the younger people, like four and five-year-olds, six-year-olds, etc. cetera. Um, Mormons have it, Catholics have it, Protestants have it, Jewish people have it. Um, and and in, those, in that Sunday school, the kids learn God made a rainbow of different colors, and we're all God's children. He loves us all. And that's, again, you know, we're four and five, six, seven, eight years old. We're taking this in. And this is what we, we believe because our, our personalities, our minds have not been shaped yet. You know, we're young kids sponging information. And this is, is our teacher, an authoritative person. And we believe everything he or she says, whether it's in regular school, kindergarten, or, or at the church. So this is what we believe. And then when we reach 
um, puberty, adolescence, or whatever, we're sent upstairs to the larger congregation. And we sit in the upstairs and listen to the preacher, the reverend, the minister, the priest, the uh, rabbi, whichever, whatever clergy is there. And that's when the problem starts. Because that clergy, whichever it is, stops the Sunday school lesson. He or she no longer continues telling the mass congregation, we're all God's children. God made a rainbow. He loves us all. Mm-hmm. All right? Because if he or she were to say, hey, you know what, folks? It's okay for blacks and whites to get married. It's okay for Jewish people to marry Catholics or whatever. Half that congregation is going to get up and walk out. Mm-hmm. All right? And they damn sure won't be putting any money in that collection plate when it gets passed around. Because you only pay for what you want to hear. You know, if you're not hearing what you, if you're not hearing what you want to hear, you're not emptying your wallet in, into the collection plate. So, what happens is this: you either leave the congregation, or you get rid of that uh, that preacher and bring somebody else in who's going to tell you what you want to hear. It's just like if you send your kid to school, public school, and he's not learning in public school what what you think he needs to learn, you snatch him out and you put him in a private school. If he doesn't learn it there, you snatch him out and you homeschool him. That's what happens. You pay for what you want to hear. And unfortunately, the clergy is putting money over morality. They know it's wrong, but they realize if they say something that that their congregation doesn't want to hear, regardless of how moral it is, regardless of of how they can best even back it up in the Bible, it doesn't matter. If you're going to lose clergy, you're going to lose a job. So they're putting more ra- um, money over morality, and that's got to stop. And you know, we have look, we we have black Baptist churches, we have white Baptist churches, but yet we read the same King James Bible and pray to the same God. We have black Baptist churches because we were not accepted in the white Baptist churches. So we had to establish our own. And then later on, of course, it's already established, blah, blah, blah. But they can still get together, but they don't. But then they say, you know, I, you know, we, we, are, we are brothers in Christ. You know, you and, you're, you're white, I'm black, we're brothers in Christ. You know, do you accept me as your brother in Christ? Oh, absolutely. But will you accept me as your brother-in-law? <laughs> <Your sister. laughs> that's great oh my gosh uh, Daryl uh, my, my question isn't how long do you foresee racism continuing on because that's that's a whole nother topic but my question is um, how long do you foresee some of these uh, protests the uh, the rallies the, uh, the, the um, riots and all that for the current situation do you have an idea or anything in mind to see how long something like this will continue on? I think it's going to continue on through the election in November. You know, maybe not as, as large as we see it, but it's all going to depend upon what happens. Like I said, the page is turning. Okay. It hasn't completely flipped over yet. It's just in the process of turning. All right. If it, if it stays right there, the protest is going to last a lot longer if it starts going back down to where it was, it's going to increase. And like I say, you know, there's going to have to be a lot more reform. Like, for example, again, you know, uh, you asked uh, not about specifically what, what just happened, but, but there's been a lot that's happened, you know, in the last week, uh, you know, in the last well, three weeks or whatever, 
you got the Breonna Taylor, you got the the uh, the Amy Cooper with the dog in the park, uh, you got George Floyd, you know, something has to change. So it's not, it's always been happening. We're just seeing more. We're not seeing more and more of it. Um, we're here. We're we're seeing more and more of it on video is the problem. But it's always gone on. And you know, like for example, that girl in the park. She she claimed to the police that this African American man was threatening her life and uh, and threatening the life of her dog in the ramble in Central Park. When when actually she was threatening his life is what was happening. Because listen, she said she felt threatened, but yet she walked up in his face and pointed. You can see it right there on the video. Turn that thing off. Stop recording me. If you felt threatened, you wouldn't be walking up on your threatener and, and, and threatening him and pointing your finger in his face. You'd be walking the other way. All right. And so she knew what she was doing. She didn't say, um, I'm going to call the police and tell them a man is threatening my life. She told him, I'm going to call the police and tell them an African-American man is threatening my life. Because she knows the history of blacks and the police. And usually when a black person is is involved with a, with a white woman, especially, whether it's a good whether it's a good involvement or a bad involvement, it's usually a deadly involvement when the police arrive. It has that potential. Mm. And so she knew what she was doing. You know, and you know, you know, you know, he's standing right there. She didn't even describe what he was wearing. She just said an African-American man. Well, there are plenty of African-American men in, in Central Park. Just like there are plenty of white men. You know, did she say he was wearing white tennis shoes and a red shirt and blue jeans or loafers? No. The first thing they want to know is a description. You're standing right there looking at the guy. All she wanted to tell the police was there was some black guy threatening her life because she was hoping they were going to come. And that would be the end of the story for him. And she wanted to make him scared. So you know, these you know, these are the things that we also have to deal with, not just people in the Klan or in the alt-right, but just individuals who think like this. Because, you know, if we're going to change the system, we got to change the people who run the system. The system isn't going to change by itself. You know, Daryl, um, in that situation that you just mentioned, uh, like I said, we're having a lot of conversations these days about this type of situation, like relations between ethnicities um and one thing that i'm seeing used a lot is the term white privilege and uh i've been hearing a lot of individuals hearing that that terminology way more nowadays than ever i mean you used to hear it a bit but now you're hearing that all the time um but what i'm noticing also is that as much as we know that like in this situation with amy cooper and and I think his last name was also Cooper. I forgot his first yeah, name. Yeah, Chris, Christopher Cooper. Christopher Cooper. Um, as you can see, she she knew where her privilege did lie there, and she knew how to weaponize it. She knew, like, she knew his relationship with the cops. You can also see a lot of individuals kind of going about the use of the term white privilege uh, a little bit too broad. It's like whenever I'm seeing it a lot, I'm seeing whenever, you know, conversations are happening and maybe a white person says something, uh, it just maybe ignorant because they just don't know the white privilege hammer comes down. And then honestly, the conversation just kind of disseminates because 
again, it's being used very broadly. So my question to you is, um, how can we explain what white privilege actually is, but then also from the side of using that terminology, how is it best used? Because many times, like I said, it's being a term that's being weaponized against an individual rather than a term that's trying to be used to educate an individual. Yes. Sort of like uh, the race card, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the reverse of the race card. Um, I think, you know, when these, when these things are done, if, you know, if you are truly seeing white privilege, then, then explain why, why, why you're saying this is white privilege rather than just to say, well, you know, you, you just got away with white privilege. Um, a lot of it is white privilege because again, one's perspective is one's reality. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know, they don't know, you know? Um, and, and, and there's really no reason for them to know because it doesn't happen to them. You know, they don't experience these things. They don't get pulled over late at night and, and beaten up, uh, things like that. You know, they go home every night. So if you got pulled over late at night and got beaten up, it's like, well, what did you do? You know, you had to have done something. So, you know, they don't, they don't get it that that's their white privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like when I, I've gone into stores and um, in fact, this, this girl, you know, I'm a musician and uh, I was, I was uh, accompanying her on the piano and she was riding with me and we stopped at a gas station and she went in to get soda pop or whatever candy. And uh, I came in after her. And so I was in line right behind her and she was white. And so we got to the, to the counter. I got my little potato chips or whatever. And she paid the lady with whatever bill she gave her. And the lady put the change back in her hand. My turn, she's standing there waiting for me. I give the lady my bill and held my hand up for the change. And she put it down on the counter. She won't touch my hand. I just stood there like this until she picked it up and put it in my hand. And my friend said, I don't believe it. I've heard about that, but I, I, I didn't believe it. I, I see it. I, I just witnessed it. I told her that's white privilege. You know, you don't see you, you know you don't see those things unless you experience them. And it took that for her to see. I mean, she wasn't racist at all, mm-hmm. and she certainly was not a stupid person. You know, but that that's not in her bubble. That's not in her, in her world because she doesn't have to go through that. But now she sees it, and now she can relate to it. So not everybody, you know, is has that experience of being exposed to it firsthand, like she was. That's why it's, it's incumbent upon us. You know, if we're going to tell somebody they have something or tell them what they are, what we think, then we have to have reason to tell them and make and, and help them to understand. Yeah. Give them examples like, you know, you can say, you know, hey, you know, I walked into an elevator and you know, white lady grabbed her purse, you know, but 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 she wasn't grabbing it you know, when, when the white guy came in the elevator or something like that. You know, we, we all have seen those examples or, or, or you and I get followed around the store. Um, we either get followed around the store or nobody wants to help us, one or the other. Would it be fair to say that being black in America is like an extra challenge? Like we all have challenges. We all face challenges, um, you know, and that's some, that's some people's, you know, they just say, oh, we all have challenges. You got to get over it. But do you feel that being black is just like an it's an extra challenge that you have to uh, deal with? Day in and day out? Yes, because we have all the challenges that these people who say get over it have. We have those challenges. We lose jobs. We um, we get divorced. We, you know, our kid fails his 
his test or, you know, whatever the challenges they have, we have uh, the wife gets sick. We got to take care of her and so forth and so on. Those are normal, everyday challenges of life. So as long as anybody's living, I don't care if you're Asian, Hispanic, black, white, and Mongolian, we all have those challenges of life. But yes, we have the extra challenge because we have a certain profile that we have to deal with in, in a, in a uh, area where people who look, who fit that profile are not welcome or, or are feared. So yes, you know, it's like <sighs> police officers, you know, it's, it's said, you know, uh, you know, when they go out, they, you know, they put on that badge and gun and that uniform and they go to work, they go out, they are putting their lives on the line. They are, you know, when they pull somebody over on the highway for speeding and they, and they walk into that car, they don't know, you know, if they're going to be able to walk back to their car, the guy might pull a gun. It has happened. So yes, they are putting their lives on the line, but you know what? I feel when I walk out this door, this is my uniform and I'm putting my life on the line too, because I might not come home. And that's the problem that these people in these football stands, stands, stadiums don't understand. They go and they cheer for their team. And you got black guys and white guys working together on the football field to win that game. You know, on, on your team, you have black guys and white guys. And they all get along. It's all fine. And everybody in the bleachers in the stadium, you know, is cheering their team of black guys and white guys. They love them. You know, they idolize, you know, they're sports celebrities. But what they don't realize is when those black guys leave the stadium and are driving home, it's a different story. It's a different story. On the field, they're all recognized and treated with respect and everybody loves them. But when they, when they leave the stadium, they, they go into another world. And that is what that man was kneeling about. And that's what they don't get. So they boo him. And, and the president of the United States called him a son of a bitch. And then now when you get all these white cops out there kneeling, where do we hear, you know, where, where do we hear the president calling them the same name? That's what we see. I uh, liked what I saw in Virginia, which some people might disagree with me, but um, there's a lot of people protesting and they were vandalizing and they took down some statues and stuff like that. And the police didn't step in. And one of the officials in the area, I don't know if it was the uh, mayor or chief of police, I'm not sure who it was. He said, it's just a rock, <laughs> you know, and I, and I think, <laughs> you know, when, when we think when we think about right, we think about human life, right, versus versus uh, what happened to that to that stone that was etched in. I don't even know who it who it was, but it was uh, Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy. Right. And so. When we even think about the American flag, like I, I am patriotic. I, I love a lot of things about America, but the flag is just, um, you know, something that we printed stars and stripes on. It's something that we made up and we have a certain identity to it. And when it comes to these statues, these monuments, um, you know, I'm not in favor of seeing them all like torn up and ripped down. There's probably better ways of, of, uh, you know, making some of these things happen, but these, these statues are there and they represent, uh, things from our history that, that aren't great. And I, I think that it's a, that's a good vantage point to say, hey, yeah, it's just 
It's just a rock. It's not worth beating the crap out of people over. And maybe those things shouldn't be there to represent us because maybe they're not representing the right, right things. I agree with you. And I, I don't think, well, a lot of the, not all of the statues, but a lot of the statues uh, were put up long after the Civil War, some in the 1920s, some in the 1960s, as a slap to uh, integration, slap in the face of integration. Um, none of them should have been put up in the first place. But uh, but but the but the ones that were put up long after the Civil War were, were used to to insult people, you know. Um, okay, so 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 you know you're gonna you're gonna make us integrate with you. Well, we're gonna put our our statues and our flags up just to piss you off. In, in the state of Virginia, which is right next door to me, all right, I'm I'm 20 minutes from uh, from from the Virginia line, 15 minutes from DC. Virginia and DC and Maryland are all right there together. Uh, anyway. Every county courthouse in Virginia has a Confederate statue in front of it. And guess who built those courthouses? Black people. And back in the day, uh, even the old uh, courthouses, the uh, the historic ones, were built by the slaves. Back in the day, uh, if a black person had to go to court, he had to go through the back door of the the, uh, courthouse. So today, of course, we go through the front door. But if I have to go to Virginia to go to court for something, Maybe I was speeding down the street or whatever and got a ticket over there in Virginia. I go to court, to traffic court. I have to walk past that Confederate statue. And I have to wonder to myself, am I, am I going to get uh, equal justice or am I going to get Confederate justice? So those things need to go. All right. They should not be destroyed. I don't believe in destroying them. They can be put in a museum, uh, a, conf- a, a Confederate memorial park can be can be built and they and they can be put over there now we sh- the government should not pay for that part you know sons of the confederacy and whatever else can pay for it or whatever they can, they can be put there and and their flag can be flown there the confederate flag does not deserve to be flown over the state capital of south carolina you know we, we had to make it come down because it does not represent everybody in south carolina the state capital does not that flag so you know if people want to honor their ancestors and all that kind of stuff who fought in the Civil War, uh, they can go to the park, they can go to the museum. Listen, I had ancestors who fought in the Confederacy. All right? I'm a descendant of slaves. My, I was born in Chicago only because my father had a job there at the time. But my parents are from Virginia, Roanoke and Salem, all right? so, which, which was the seat of the Confederacy, the state of Virginia. And if you know anything about American history, you know that the slaves had to fight for their slave masters in the in the Civil War. So my ancestors ancestor slaves fought in the Confederacy. Now, I honor my ancestors because without them I wouldn't be here. But I don't honor slavery or the Confederacy myself. There are some people who do, but and that's you know that's their business. They can they can go to their park. The loser does not get to build his statue. The loser does not get to fly his flag. We went to war against Japan when they bombed Pearl Harbor. We have plenty of plenty of Japanese Americans here in this country. And some of their ancestors were involved in that war against the United States with Japan. But do these people erect statues of Hirohito and whoever else and fly the Japanese flag? No. Japan lost. We went to war against um, Germany against Adolf Hitler. 
There are countless German Americans in this country, and you know their ancestors were involved with Hitler. Hitler was a dictator. You had no choice if you were in Germany, whether you agree with him or not. You you were under him, and you and you 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 fought for him. You stood for what he what he stood for. He was a dictator. If you didn't, you were eliminated. So those people love their ancestors. Do they erect statues of Adolf Hitler and uh, and and Goebbels and and all these other people and and fly swastika flags outside their house? No. The the South lost the war. Get over it. That's you know that's that's my attitude. Don't don't destroy the you know the, those things as part of our history. Go build a park, get a museum, and go there and honor those people if that's what you want to do. Uh, but the government should not pay for it. Just like you know, we wouldn't pay for for a statue of Hitler just because we want to honor Ger- German Americans, or or a statue of the Emperor of Japan just because we want to honor Japanese Americans. So why 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 would, would we build a statue of Robert E. Lee? Why, why would, would we pay for a, a Confederate uh, park? The Confederacy lost. They got to understand that. You know, it's just like um, slave plantations. You can go take a tour of slave plantations and some of them charge you money to, to go on the property and, and go look at the slave quarters and see the big antebellum colonial uh, homes and all this other kind of stuff. Um, I would not pay money to go see that? Why would I pay money to go on a piece of property that my ancestors fought so hard to get the hell off of? Now, I, I, I've been, I, I've seen all that stuff. I, I've seen it on, on the free places, and I've been to Gore Island over in Africa, where a lot of the slaves came from. I lived in Senegal. I lived in Africa for 10 years. So I visited Gore Island for free, and I saw that. But why would I pay money to, 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 to go on a piece of property that, that, that my people died and fought trying to get off of. Do you think rioting is necessary? I mean, it definitely draws a lot more attention to the situation. I don't think, any, I don't think most rational people are in favor of violence of any kind or burning buildings, but it does seem like it, uh, it made things more urgent. It seems like it, it, it maybe did put pressure on people. Let me explain that to you. Um, <clears throat> you're saying violence is not necessary. Right. And that's what we've been saying. That's what we've been saying for 400 years. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> there was violence in, in choking yeah. that man to death up in New York, Eric Garner. There was violence on kneeling on the man's neck. There was violence in hanging somebody from a tree. Um, so, and speaking, I, I digress for a second. Speaking of hanging somebody from a tree, George Floyd was not murdered. He was lynched. He was lynched. Okay. What's the definition for that? Of lynching? Yeah. Of, of uh, taking somebody uh, who, uh, who, who uh, allegedly has, committing a, has committed a crime and, and murdering that person before they have their day in court. Mm. So a lot of people think lynching is just hanging somebody from a tree. You know, you know Emmett Till was lynched. He wasn't hung from yeah, a yeah. tree. Yeah. And he was beaten and tortured and thrown in the river. Uh, the guy in um, uh, James Byrd in Jasper, Texas, the Klan, you remember a few years ago, back in the 90s, the, the Klan grabbed him and tied, chained him to the back of a pickup truck and dragged him to his death. That was a lynching. Um, so you've seen those pictures um, of lynchings from the 1920s 
where a whole family is out there and all kinds of, of white people stand there pointing at, at the, the black men hanging in the tree and smiling. They're posing for the camera. And some of those uh, pictures were turned into postcards and they would send them to their families out of state. You know, you know, this is how we handle our nigger problem. And they were postcards of this. Google uh, lynchings and you'll see them. That was a lynch mob. These people were arrested either um, legally or illegally. They were arrested for, for, for what they did or even arrested for what they didn't do, you know. Um, and before they could go to court, a mob goes in, a white mob goes in, snatches them out of the cell and brings them to a tree and strings them up. That's a lynch mob. And oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes the authorities were in on it. They'd leave the door unlocked because they knew the lynch mob was coming and they didn't you know, want their, their uh, jail torn up. So they unlocked the door. Otherwise, the door get broken down. You know, and, and how do you get into a locked cell? Somebody left the door unlocked, you understand? All right. So when you have all these people look, you know, standing there watching somebody be murdered by hanging him on a tree, and then you pose for pictures. What I saw though that you know those two Mondays ago when uh, when George Floyd was was uh, was was breathing his last breath. That was a lynching, okay? You got two officers, one holding him down on the back, even though he wasn't moving, he wasn't resisting. He's handcuffed, other guy holding him down on the legs, one guy standing on the sidewalk holding the young people passing by um, from getting too close, and Derek Chauvin kneeling on his neck, looking right at the camera the whole time that he's being filmed until this man took his last breath. That is a lynching. That's a lynching. Um, so so back, back to the protests and the rioting and stuff. I'm totally against all this looting and stuff. That, that is not called for. That is never called for. Uh, shame on those people. And, and I'll tell you, I don't believe that the majority, I, I would say probably 99% of the protesters uh, were not involved in that looting. I believe those people were the people who were exploiting the protests for their own benefit, whether they were black. I mean, there were blacks and whites doing that, but they were not uh, involved in the cause. All right. They were there to stir up trouble, uh, create dissension or whatever. You know, some some said, you know, there was Antifa, there was white uh, white supremacists involved, nationalists, et cetera, who were blending in with the protesters, et cetera. Um, yeah, probably. Okay, because that, that's how they do. They, they exploit. But um, I don't advocate, and I'm not justifying the burning down of the buildings, but I understand it. I understand it. And there is a reason why that happens. And let me explain that to you. Because people always say to me, why? You know, I don't understand why, you know, why you people, sorry, you people, why you people, you know, set fires you know, to, to the buildings and stuff, and you know, even in your own neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. Here's the reason. Because we have been crying out, We've, we have been demanding to be heard, and again, nobody was listening. Now, if you are driving down the street speeding, or you run through a red light, cop pulls you over, you get a citation, you get a ticket. Um, if, if, uh, 
if you do something to somebody and hurt them or something, they sue you. If you don't pay your credit card uh, bill, you know, on time, you get a you get a late fee attached to it. All these examples I just gave you are costing you money, and the reason why you get the ticket or you get the uh, the late penalty or the lawsuit is to deter your behavior from occurring again. They figure if they can separate you from your money, you, you will you will modify your behavior because nobody likes to be separated from their money. You work hard for that money. Somebody sues you for fifty thousand dollars and they win. You know, or, or you get a hundred fifty dollars speeding ticket, uh, or twenty five dollars extra on your on your credit card bill because you because you didn't pay it on time. Chances are you're going to modify your behavior. You're not going to speed down that street again. You're not going to do whatever it was you did to that guy to somebody else. All right, and, and you are going to pay your credit cards on time. So money modifies your behavior if you're separated from it. Well, these people have been begging to be heard for for decades. And nobody is listening. And then they go to the court and, and, the, and the court is, is unbalanced. It's not blind justice. You know, it's, it's this kind of justice, you know, peeping out of one eye. So they're frustrated. The only way they can get your attention is the same way you get theirs, to hit them in the wallet. So they go and they burn down the city. That costs the city millions and millions and millions of dollars to rebuild and the insurance companies that have to insure those people. The insurance companies are mad at the police because they got to pay out because all these buildings have insurance. So the, so the insurance companies want the police to also modify their behavior because insurance companies, you, you know how they are. They don't, they don't want to get rid of their money. They want you to pay premiums, but when it comes time to collect, they don't want to pay you, but now they have to. So when you hit somebody like that and cost them millions of dollars, all of a sudden they pull the earplugs out and now they're willing to hear you. <laughs> you understand? I'm, I'm not laughing at it, but it's just ironic. I, I don't advocate burning down buildings and I don't justify it, but I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you the reason why it's happening. Because, because you're separating the city from its money. And you saw how fast uh, the, the uh, firing happened and the, um, and the arrests were made. And then when the third degree murder, whatever that is, uh, was uh, instituted, more buildings got burned down and a new prosecutor came in, took over the case and upped it to a second degree murder. And he may up it to first degree if there's enough evidence. Uh, you mentioned Antifa. Um, you educated us more better than anybody on the KKK. Um, can you educate us on who Antifa is and what they're like what? Why do they keep getting mentioned so much uh, during these um, protests and riots? Well, Antifa is short for anti-fascist, and here, you know, there, there was an Antifa movement in Italy and in Germany way back when, uh, and they've just taken that you know that name. Um, and here, they a lot of them are are um, or they I should say they have a lot of anarchists involved with them. Their, their goal is, is to get rid of racism, which is an admirable goal. I don't necessarily agree with the methods that they do it. Uh, they can be very violent, very destructive, very aggressive, and, and, and they are definitely very impatient. I've had my run-ins uh, with Antifa. I, too, want to get rid of racism, but I don't believe in, in causing violence and, and, um, and overthrowing the government and attacking the police and all that kind of stuff. 
and they will, and they will attack anybody who does not agree with their methods. Um, the, you know, uh, the anarchists join that because they're ready to rumble and they want to instigate, you know, chaos. Uh, so that's a good place to do it. Just like the people who want to exploit the protesters, you know, they burn down the buildings, other ones go in there and loot, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I, I've, ha- I've had several run-ins with, uh, with Antifa, uh, because I'm willing to sit down and talk with the KKK and, uh, or neo-Nazis and they don't like that. Uh, in fact, um, uh, one of them uh, called me a white supremacist, which just caused me to, to burst out laughing because, I mean, I've been called every name in the book <laughs> except my own name, but that was the first time I've been called a white supremacist. So, I, I mean, you know, when you call me a white supremacist, you've already lost the fight. You know, that, that was your last round of ammunition. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate it, man. And I think, uh, you know, your points about uh, the, the rioting, I think, you know, really makes makes a lot of sense. And I think that uh, I think sometimes, you know, it, it's um, it's important for things to like go a little too far. I think sometimes, you know, I think it's it, it sucks that there's, you know, has been buildings burnt down. It sucks that there's been people hurt in the riots. But um, in order to dispel some of these myths and these misconceptions that people have been walking around with in their heads for so long, um, I think sometimes there's no other way to do it than to you know, have what's going on uh, to happen. Cause I think sometimes people just aren't willing to listen to reason with your own experience with going into the KKK and, and talking to those leaders. Um, it seems like you may have dispelled the myth that people aren't willing to listen. Have you still run into people though, after having good conversation with them, have you still run into people that still are just, they, they don't care about what you said. They don't care about the information you shared with them. Sure, you know, there are people like that for sure, um, but there are more. I, I've had more good experiences than I, you know than I've had bad. But there will always be people you know who won't listen, and and you know they will go to their graves being hateful, violent, and racist. Um, and you know, and and here's another thing: this time around, not only do we have more collective voices that represent this country, all ethnicities coming and marching uh, with us. And which is which is getting the attention of the people who need to hear it. They're seeing this for the first time, but it's also getting the attention of the world. We are in a, in a fishbowl now, and other countries around the world are looking at us and having their own protests. See signs for George Floyd over in Berlin, Germany, in London, you know, in, in Paris, and other places, because we are in a fishbowl. They are demanding not only justice in our country, but also in their own countries. So that's why I say, you know, this page is turning, you know, for the first time a lot further, you know, than, than it has turned before. And that's not to discount all the work that's, that's led up to this, because without the previous people, you know, doing their thing, we could not have gotten to this point to, you know, to do our thing. So it's, it's very important, you know, that, that this thing is happening and, uh, and is getting the attention uh, that it's getting. You know, with the attention that it is getting, something that I've seen, and, and Mark mentioned the riots, but with the riots that have been going on, we can understand why it's happening and we can understand why it's effective. But you hear many people trying to compare, um, looking down on the riots, trying to compare it to Martin Luther King and how peaceful he was. And you, you hear that narrative a lot. Um, what, what do you, what's your take on that idea? 
because people are trying to say, oh, they should be peaceful like MLK was. You know, they were they were doing sit-ins, etc. Um, but not everything was like that when he when they right. were doing protests. And, and usually, the people who are saying that are the are the ones who um, who, who stood by and let black churches be burned down and bombed. They either stood by or they participated in it. And now they're trying to to to, uh, to, to uh, move the needle over. Well, how come y'all aren't more like Martin Luther King? You know, you know, he all he did was come in and sit and sit in the floor, sit at the counter, and you know, and let people pour stuff on on, on their heads or just march. You know, you know, he didn't um, do all this stuff. Well, you know, there there were riots, and, and there were white people who threw rocks at him, and um, and people who pulled out police dogs and fire hoses and all kinds of other stuff. Now. A lot of black churches got bombed and burned to the ground because they were registration centers for black people. And even in the in the 1980s, uh, there was a stream of churches being burned. I knew one of the guys who was responsible for that in the Klan. I knew him personally. He didn't like me. I didn't like him. His name was Horace King. He died in prison. He was the Grand Dragon of South Carolina. Um, anyway, um, these protesters are not going going around you know, uh, setting fires to churches, burning down schools that educate uh, black people. Um, you know, people like uh, groups like ISIS and Al Qaeda, you know, they want to cause as much destruction to people, to people. That's the difference. The clan that was burning down these places wanted to destroy people, as does Al Qaeda and ISIS. So wh- where is a good place to go? To, to, to kill as many people as you can in, in one fell swoop. A school, a hospital, those people can't escape. They're in hospital beds with, you know, needles in them and ventilators and whatever else. So, you know, these people are, are vicious and inhumane who go and drop a bomb on a hospital or, 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 on, a, uh, or on a school. These protesters are not doing that. They're not burning down buildings with people in them. Unlike the Tulsa race riots, where white mobs went into Greenwood in Tulsa and, and burned down people's homes with them in it. And if they tried to escape, they got shot. And then they went in there and looted the, the, the houses. You know, this, this is not what, what this protest is about. The, the burning in these cases are, are to get your attention. And if you don't listen, then we're going to do the same thing. We're going to cost you money. In World War II, we got, a Pearl Harbor got attacked. In 1943, on December 7th or something, um, what did we do? We went and dropped a bomb, a nuclear bomb, on Hiroshima and on Nagasaki. When, um, when uh, uh, Muammar Gaddafi of Libya um, shot down Pan Am uh, 103 or something, what did we do? We went and dropped a bomb on his palace. He, he was not home at the time. He was out in the desert. But allegedly, his little daughter was killed in that in that thing when Reagan dropped the bomb. When when Saddam Hussein uh, threatened us, what did we do? We came over there and, and bombed his country. So we're not strangers to to punishing people, um, you know, for and, and going overboard with it. But these protesters are not doing that. They're not they're not killing people. They are are trying to get your attention so that you will listen. And as you listen and things change, things start to get, you, you see now the protests aren't, aren't as strong. They're not, uh, uh, they're, I mean, they're still strong in spirit, 
but they're not on mass. You, you don't see the burnings. You don't see all this going on because people are starting to listen. So maybe in the future, um, there won't be any burnings. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's the tool to use. I'm just pointing out why it's used. You've been a great resource for us. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you? Where can people follow along and get more information from you? Uh, DarylDavis.com, D-A-R-Y-L, Davis, D-A-V-I-S.com. And um, you know, I, I hope people will call me or email me, Daryl at DarylDavis.com. See my website. And um, let's all get together. Let's all do this thing collectively because we are supposed to be the United States of America, not the Confederate States of America, the United States of America. And when, when, when you hold your hand over your heart and I hold my hand over my heart and we say the Pledge of Allegiance, we should both be believing in the same thing. One nation, indivisible, under God, with liberty and justice for all. But right now, we are not one nation. We are not indivisible. We are very divided. And it's certainly um, no liberty and justice for all. So that's, that's, where we want, that's where we want to get to. So think about that next time you, you said the Pledge of Allegiance. Not everybody, not everybody gets that, you know, that there's, there's some people who are not getting liberty and justice for all. And there's some people who are very divided. And that's what we have to fix so that we all can be equally proud to say, to say those words. Well said. Thank you again. Always, uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, can't wait to meet you in person one day. Absolutely. Thank you guys. I really, really appreciate it. Cool. Thank, Thank you, sir. You. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Okay. Take care y'all. You Bye-bye. too. Okay. Always fun having him on the show. Always, yeah, always good time. Man. He's the best. Got a lot of, a lot of great information. Um, just to clear something up, when I was talking about those statues, uh, it, you know, I'm not in favor of like vandalizing stuff. I'm not in favor of that necessarily. But what I thought was was great was it's hard to figure out how to like defend these pieces of property. And the main thing is any of this stuff could be rebuilt. You know, if they if they thought that there's any reason to put up certain statues, or they thought certain statues do represent parts of America that people believe in or, or think is fair, then they can reestablish that. But the, you know, the ones they took down, obviously they, they took those down for, they're ripping those down for a reason, but I thought what a great attitude by the, by the law enforcement in the area to just say, it's just a rock, you know? And I think if both sides can kind of get to that position of like, it doesn't actually really mean anything. We shouldn't be like killing each other over it. We shouldn't be beating the hell out of each other over it. Just like, you know, and I, at the same time, it's hard because you don't want people just to, you know, overrun and beat the hell out of everything and burn everything down um, because that does cost money and it ca- causes other problems. But I think that uh, if we can all get to a better spot where we can recognize that we have uh, a filtering system in our brain to where we can filter out what we see, what we hear, and we don't always have to attach feelings to it and then have irrational action, you know, behind that, then I think we'll be in a better spot. It's a really, really tough thing to do nowadays, though. Um, A lot of the things I was asking him was pertaining to person to person interaction, because a lot of the things that we are talking about with each other, if, if you ask me something, 
it's going to immediately yield typically an emotional response. And it's hard not to respond with that. But if you do respond emotionally, that kind of cuts off the whole, con- the whole conversation that cuts off you learning something or me learning something from you just because my emotion shades what the intention of the conversation is supposed to be. So I think he was a great person to talk to about all of that. Yeah. It might cloud the information that you're trying to give me. And you might just, I mean, sometimes people go back and forth in conversation and they finally just say, Hey, well, I just think what you're saying is stupid. <laughs> I just, I think what you're saying is dumb, you know? And then it's like, well, I don't know how that helps, you know, anything progress forward any, any further. But if you're stating, Hey, this is how I see it. This is my vantage point. This is my experience. And you can say, well, hold on a second. You know, I, I kind of agree with some of what you said there, but what about this? You know, and then we, get in conversation and we start to figure out a way to uh, move forward on it. But like you said, mm-hmm. it's not easy. But I, I'm saying even if it's a statue of Jesus, you know, like I don't care what it is. I, I don't think none of it really has to, it doesn't have to mean anything unless you want to put meaning on top of it. If you think if you think a statue of Jesus is willing you're willing to die for it, then that's your interpretation of what Jesus means to you and you can go for it. But uh, I just don't, I don't think it's rational, personally. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, is there a symbol like the American flag or something that you do believe shouldn't be messed with? I don't think so. Okay. I, I don't, I, we don't, we don't need any of those things. We're not mm-hmm. born with any of those things. They're all stuff that's made up. Yeah. I, I do think, however, uh, so these are, these are materialistic symbolic things so those are i understand why people get upset over them and i'm not saying that i don't have any emotion if i see like a burning flag or something um but what i am saying is that you you would i I would rather see if someone is going to like fight that they fight over principle and ideas and concepts uh to help progress and preserve maybe some ideas and concepts and i think that's kind of what's happening is some people are like no, the Confederate flag is, you know, it represents, you know, A, B, and C, and I don't think we should do that to it. And other people are like, no, because it represents A, B, and C, that's why we're getting rid of it. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, so you end up with people on opposite sides of the coin. But if you think about it, you're like, you're fighting over a flag, like, who really gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly. True. Yeah. And, and, you know, like how he said, he's like, people will argue like, no, it's heritage. Like, that's actually all I've ever really heard. So it's. I love that he's explaining like, no, like it represents slavery because that's, you know, that was their side and they lost, but you're right. It, it is like a piece of material. We, we get really heavily involved in tradition, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's traditions that are just dumb. Well, I guess, the, <laughs> you know, the, it's like shaking hands. I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast before. It's like, that's not, you know, with, with a virus going around and stuff like that. I, I understand like, that's what we're used to. You know, a hug, a high five, a, mm-hmm. you know, but like maybe that's just maybe that's just a thing that has been passed on from generation to generation that isn't uh, productive. Maybe it is productive. Maybe somebody else can say, actually, when you shake hands and you make contact and you pick up the other germs from the other person, it's actually helpful to your immune system. But I don't I'm unaware of like data like that or mm-hmm. don't don't know. It seems like it would be better just to give you a little bow or just acknowledgement. Hey, man, what's up? Yep. Like, isn't that doesn't that have to be enough? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I think it's uh, I mean, because I know I've heard this before when it comes to like uh, people in gangs and stuff. It's like, dude, you're really fighting each other over a color you wear. Like, mm-hmm. how silly is that? Right. That's way that's a 
different conversation, but but that's like making it really obvious what Mark's talking about. It's the same thing. You know, like, I mean, yeah, it's just you shot super, the guy because he was wearing red. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yep. So if if that is very clear, this you know, I think we can do a good job, or we have an opportunity to make this just as clear. Yeah. Well, bam. Yeah, no, there's a lot of irrational shit. Like when you, when you said the that, it just reminds me, like you know, certain people hate people because they're gay. Certain people hate people because they're black. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's really fucking dumb. It's just really really stupid. Yeah, or showing up at a at a football game wearing the other team's jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? Um, I was thinking about the other day because you know the whole Kaepernick protest getting on the knee, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about this here, but getting on a knee is like yeah did we talk about this how it's like like literally it's it's almost like reverence when when people get on their knees like they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna pray right like it's usually something about prayer i was my mind went somewhere else at that for a second but it's usually <laughs> to get down and like pray hey, it's tim, <laughs> tim tebow went down on one knee he and did different right mm-hmm. he did he went down on one knee and it, like it, it was it, it was reverence and it's like when that was being done I can't think of anything like more passive that you could do. What do you want? Do you want to be splayed on the ground like this instead? <laughs> like, like it's just thinking about it. It's not like so he ridiculous. took his. It's not like he dropped his pants down around his ankles. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? He could have done something much worse. He could have. Yeah. yeah. It's just. It, I just. I just think about how ridiculous it is, man. It's just. It, yeah, and a lot of his like protests got kind of hijacked because then people made it about the anthem and about the flag mm-hmm. he was really just trying to i mean who knows exactly what his exact intentions were but whatever it is it worked because it just had people have conversation yeah you believe what kaepernick did what an asshole and it got people it got people talking it got people having a conversation and some people are like actually he was doing it against you know police brutality and some people are like ah, i don't like it because he you know it's against the <laughs> it's against the anthem and it's against tradition and it's mm-hmm. like well part of having freedom is the choice to uh, you know unfortunately part of having freedom is is to even be racist you know it's yep. like it's it's all part of it you know you you get to pick and choose what you want to be but as soon as you start stepping on other people's toes you start to outwardly do things that are hateful that's when we end up with a lot of problems you know so i louis simmons i think you know said it best in in bigger stronger faster he said my morals are my morals and your morals are your morals who am i to judge you and who are you to judge me i love that philosophy you know just and if we're not outwardly encroaching on each other's uh, morals and ideas and concepts and, you know, I'm not doing anything to you, your family, I'm not doing anything to a another race, then, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, everything should be everything should be kosher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone not liking someone's perfectly okay, but you just, you better not, it, it better not lead to, I guess, their detriment or damaging them in any way. That's fine. Right. Is it is it uh, is it impacting society in a negative way? Yep. Which it very well could be, because if you own a company, you could be making decisions based off of your bias and you could be making decisions in your day to day that are based off your bias that could potentially not be helpful, Mm -hmm. I guess I'd say. Yep. Yeah. And then this is a really crazy realization. But, you know, we were talking about redlining and like how if you were from a certain area, you were not allowed to. Or you weren't going to get a loan for another, you know, uh, better neighborhood and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was pretty interesting. Like, I actually could see the people who were putting, um, you know, placing bids on my house 
like who they were like someone even send pictures and stuff and i'm just like man if i like really wanted to like i can just make sure to like outwardly seek out a certain race or you know color of skin or something and i was just like it, it kind of i don't know it just maybe because everything that's going on right now it just blew me away to think like like damn that's another way that you know like systemic uh racism would continue on it sure the the banks are going to now give those loans but if that um, is still ingrained in society, like it could still continue on, and it just happens a different way. It just really tripped me out, like uh, like Man. almost to the point where like I got the chills, just like oh shit, like if I wanted to, I could say no to all these people and yes to this person, even though their offer sucks. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's wild, like just the yeah, you're really you're really taking into into consideration your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. How are these people going to fit into this neighborhood, which I, shouldn't yeah. really even be a factor? It's like. You know, can they afford the home? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the transaction should be <laughs> should be pretty simple. I mean, and then, but even think about how it could even be worse than that if you're renting it. You know, if you're renting it now, you really get to pick and choose. You get to like almost interview. You know, like you mm-hmm. did. You get to interview the person and mm-hmm. say, "Oh, well, this person's not coming into my neighborhood." Yeah. No, it, it was just crazy, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I did think, I'm like, okay, well, my neighbors speak Spanish, so if, like, a Mexican move, family moves in, like, they might get along better, and, like, sort of that thing, and then I'm like, ah, you know what, fuck it, like, we're just going to accept the best offer, whoever that is, or whatever offer fits us, you yeah. know, the best, but... What about the idea for the uh, registry? That sounds kind of I neat. love... That's a really good idea. I mean, I'm sure idea. you'd have to examine and, and, you know, make sure that that's, you know, something that's just as well, because you don't want to just, you don't have have a reaction and and throw something mm-hmm. in there but um i think something like that's great that's a smart idea and i don't know maybe like it's kind of odd that they don't have anything like that i mean maybe they do i don't know that's what i was thinking it's like we're talking about police weird. officers having a registry basically of uh i guess shared historical information about their actions mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i don't know like i i just with him mentioning it on the show today, it sounds like a good idea, but if you think about it more, there could be potential reasons on on why it doesn't exist or why it's not a mm-hmm. not a thing. But at first glance I think it sounds like a I think it sounds like a great idea. I'd mm-hmm. imagine they have something internally that we don't have access to. Yeah. Right. Probably. I mean, because right. your work history is going to follow you regardless. But and it, should it be public information? Yeah, that's, <laughs> you're right. That well, is that is something. I mean, think about this. That would, Sex offenders about, have. Yeah, they have yeah. a public one. But OK, there are sex offenders who have, let's say it was a, a guy and a girl and they they're just stupid young 20 year olds having mm-hmm. sex in a park. They're sex offenders. And now they're on that list. You know, mm-hmm. right for for something like that. I mean, it, it, you shouldn't do that, <laughs> right? But at the same time, maybe you shouldn't be on a list of other sex of, sex offenders, right, right? So when it comes to something like that, like yeah, I think that that kind of shit. If if cops are actually brutalizing people, should be on a list. Mm-hmm. Well, and I said with uh, Derek Chauvin, I think he had nineteen. Like, yeah, he had you know kind of a a lot of complaints. I don't. I I never looked into how. You know how far down you know he he I, I never looked into what they were um but it 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 does sound like a lot you know it sounds like he was a cop for around the same amount of years as complaints and to have you know a complaint every year i th- i think is a lot mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe somebody else doesn't think that's that much. I don't know. But like, that seems like if they're legitimate, you know, uh, you know, gripes of him being overly aggressive and not handling situations in the right way, that's, I think that's kind of excessive. I think, I think to maybe have two or three situations that you didn't maybe handle so well makes, makes some sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to have a history of, of racism, which I don't know if he has or not. Um, I know there was like a thing going on around the internet with him wearing a hat that said something. I can't even remember what it said, but like there was, there was some, some history of that. But then I think some people said that that was fake Mm. at this point. I don't know what's real and what's, (laughs) what's fake, but when they take him to court and they go through stuff, you know, we'll, we'll see what they kind of come up with at that point. But think about that. A registry would be so effective because not only would that be public information, but now you're scared of getting your name on that registry. Now you need to be right. more careful in terms of what you do so that you don't have all these people reporting you for misconduct and hurting individuals. There's now an actual deterrent. Whereas right now, I don't know if there really is a deterrent. There's a lot of ways for you to get off with doing stupid stuff. Yeah. We need to have a chat with some police officers. Cause I think it would be good to, I, I don't know their current protocols and I'm sure they're way different from state to state and stuff. But like when you're, when you are a police officer for X amount of years, do they kind of, you know, do they review, do they constantly review you? Uh, it's my understanding that they do a lot of that, but, but I don't, I don't really know, you know, somebody that has 19 complaints, that's been a police officer for a long time. If I was like the chief of police or something, I would assume I'd be like, this guy's kind of on his last leg. Like he, he probably shouldn't be out there. He shouldn't be in the community. I don't think, you know what I mean? I would be mindful of that, but I don't know if there's any sort of, uh, um, if there's any sort of like, you know, way that they, they check on people that way, check Mm -hmm. on your mental health. I mean, you know, you're doing some crazy shit. You're picking up a three-year-old child that's smashed into the pavement because they got into a car accident or somebody uh, got ripped apart on a motorcycle or, or, you know, and then you're going to a call about, um, you know, uh, some, somebody who's really high off of drugs and you got, you know, a drunk guy at a bar and then you have, I mean, this have like a lot of shit and they get called as we talked about, they get spread very thin, um, it doesn't, it's unfortunate, but it doesn't seem like a job that anybody really, really wants, especially now, especially with what's going on now. And so it puts them in a tough position. Um, some people think they should get paid more so that we have better, they have better credentials. They get paid more. And some people are like, they should get paid a lot less. Some people don't think they should exist. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we're, you know, we're at a weird, uh, a weird crossroads here. But, uh, but the good thing is, is that we're asking questions and that we're, you know, hopefully going to start to maybe f- make some sense of it and figure it out. You know, my son was, was, uh, we were watching some of the stuff on the news and like, you know, the, the police officers are, are hitting these people. You guys probably saw the same footage. It was like on day two or day three, the police officers are bashing these people, men and women, uh, white and black, you know, in the legs. So police officers are hitting them in the legs. And so me and my son had a good conversation about it. We're like, what do they do? You know, do they, do they retreat? You know, they were told to go there and they were told to hold the line somewhere. 
And you got to think some of these police officers, some of these uh, men and women are, are kind of maybe militant people to mm-hmm. begin with a little bit. I, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying that they they want to follow through on protocol. They're people that like protocol yeah. and they, they like following. They're kind of rule followers. You know, they're going to follow the rules. They had an assignment. They're going out there to try to do it. They told somebody not to cross the line 10 times. The person crossed the line. They tell the person another 10 times. They tell the person several times. I know there's other cops that don't have any patience for it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And they maybe even go on the attack earlier. But I'm just going based off of what I was seeing in this one particular, uh, you know, video shot. And then they're firing off tear gas. And it looks like it looks like another country. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not yeah. used to oh, we're not used to seeing that in this country that often. You know, it looks like we're just looking at another country. It's like, holy crap, what's what's going on out there? And then. You know, President Trump calls in the National Guard and it's like, does that make sense? Does it make sense to pull in more, you know, uh, more backup? Do we let people just overrun everything? Mm. Um, Do we just say, fuck it, not even call in the National Guard and just call in the military flat out? You know, like that's there's some people that that in their head, that's rational. Let's just pull in. Let's let's just pull in the Marines. Let's just pull in or, you know, whoever you think you let's let's pull in. Let's pull in people that have been at war for a long time. Let's take them. I'm not saying this is a good idea. I'm just saying this is what some people are thinking. And some people think do nothing. Some people think uh, just vanish the streets, just like let people run amok, let people do what they want. But then those own protesters might be hurting each other because you end up with like a mob mentality. Um, I don't. I don't know if I would ever be in a protest, um, especially like as a younger person, I think I would be probably more scared of it than anything. But if I was to go to a protest at 18 or 19, I can picture, you know, kicking a car because my friends did, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, slamming a window with a rock and then kind of running away just because you're a kid and you're like, you're just, I don't know, you're fucking experimenting with your life and experimenting with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And what if that rock that you threw hit somebody in the head or something like you just, I don't know, you're just, it's a mob mentality. Everybody else is kicking stuff. Everybody else is causing a ruckus as well. You get caught up in the emotion. I mean, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you've all been to concerts and stuff before. Go to a concert and and the music starts going and, you know, people start getting excited and you kind of get goosebumps. Like you get these feelings that kind of give you an energy that you otherwise wouldn't have. And if you're in like a big, you know, you're in a big protest like that and people have a lot of energy going. The car's already beat to shit. It already says fuck you on the side of it and whatever Mm -hmm. else it says on the side of it. So you're just like, yeah you know knock it out window or whatever mm-hmm. i mean i can i can see that happening with a lot of the younger people that are that are going into those things and i'm not saying i understand that there's some differences between some of the protesters and some of the vandalizers and some of the people that are looting and burning shit down i understand all that but i'm just saying i can see how you can get caught up in those scenarios yeah i mean you see the the footage of santa monica i don't know if you guys saw that but like just like broad daylight people walking around like they just looted like the apple store and like you know holding imax and one in each hand and cops just flying everywhere and it's just happening on like literally every business was getting smashed or like an atm machine was like trying to get cracked open it was nuts so when somebody sees that there's like 
that's not helping like the cause or it's not protesting like yeah where's the military now like you know then it's like yeah for those guys that's cool but but again other people are like no just let them whatever let it I go think apple, get out of their system i think apple and maybe a couple other companies were they were like for it they're like go for it wow they said fuck it but they did shut down their phones <laughs> <laughs> you know those phones are disabled so you can't do anything with them but they yeah. just said we'll just rebuild it we don't, they don't mm-hmm. you know that i think that's a decent way of looking at it you know um what's the of the money yeah what's mm-hmm. what's the what's the other way of of what's the way of protecting it you know, you put people out there with machine guns. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that doesn't sound? You know, imagine you mow down fifty people with machine guns because mm-hmm. they were going to light a building on fire. Yeah, the the eye gun in front of the <laughs> Apple Store. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Elon Musk will get this all figured out. He will. We'll email him, and then he'll solve everything. Yep. Yeah, he's got a handle. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he launched a, a fucking car into space, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, pause. That, that didn't happen, dude. No, there's a Tesla floating around out there, yeah. yeah. When, that wasn't on the shuttle launch, was it? No, like it a, wasn't recent. It was a while ago. It was a long oh, time ago. Yeah. I didn't know about this. Just because. There's just a Tesla dude, in space. There's a car on its way to Mars, and you're not aware of it? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, man. I feel so unaware. That's crazy. It happens. He just wow. did it just because he can. That's what's even better about it. Have you guys seen his his child's name? Oh, yeah. He named it like X57 whatever something, right? Yeah. It's like X the A whatever. He had to like change it because I guess he can't have like a number in there or something. Or Yeah. Yeah. It's like X Ash something something. There's a few numbers at the end. Does he pronounce it a certain way or is it just like the kid's a model number? No, the kid the kid sounds like a model number, pretty much. <laughs> but like the the a, the a and the weird e is pronounced ash. What's it based off? A video game or something, right? Is it the date uh, Deuce X or Deus X? However you pronounce that. Uh, uh, that you guys, different? are you guys know that our boy Angelo, who we you know recently mm-hmm. had do some uh, media stuff for for us, he's like top fifteen in the world at uh, oh shit, now I forget the game. What's the game that has a battle battle royal on it? Fortnite, Smash Bros. Oh, Fortnite? Is no, wait, not Fortnite. Call of Duty? Warzone? Call of Duty, there you go. Wow. Warzone. He's top 15 in the world in Warzone? <laughs> uh, I gotta get it. Makes sense. Him. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, I forget what his handle is. It's Chubby something. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hit him up then. <laughs> yeah, so his kid's name is XAshA12. <laughs> <laughs> and what's it based off of? Any idea? Uh, okay, let's see. Let's... Uh, but, but, but. The SpaceX you know, I don't know. We'll have to find it later, but... Yeah, it's 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 different for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, actually here we go. Here we go since we're on this. Uh X is the unknown variable. Ash, mm-hmm. my elven spelling of AI, love or artificial intelligence. A12 precursor to the SR17, our favorite aircraft. No weapons, no defenses, just speed. Great in battle, but nonviolent. Sure. Yeah, sure thing. Sounds good to me. Until somebody does the A13. <laughs> no, that's their next kid. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for today. What do you guys yeah, think? I think so. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Sincerely appreciate that. Uh, for more information on Piedmontese, please check out the uh, 
YouTube and Facebook description and the iTunes show notes down there in the uh, description thing there. Uh, please make sure you're following the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram at MB Power Project on Twitter. And if you guys missed our call-in show, please make sure you text Hoot Nanny. Yeah, the Hoot Nanny show. If you don't want to miss another one, please text 206-737-7369. You can text whatever you want, although Jesse Burdick said uh, everybody texts the term farts. And uh, you guys will get notified the next time we have a, a call-in show. Uh, you'll, get a, you'll receive a text message right when we go live. Uh, my Instagram is at I am Andrew Z. Uh, and Seema, where are you at? And Seema Yin Yang on Instagram and YouTube. And Seema Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Mark. Man, I'm getting sore from these last couple <laughs> workouts. Really? Yeah, I'm not even doing anything either. <laughs> That's the worst part. I'm not even really lifting anything. My forearms are toast right now. Man, I'm getting killed out there. <laughs> uh, maybe I should just quit. <laughs> I'm at Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. Catch you all later.